0: Scully was founded by Laura and Carol in sunny South Africa way back in 2014. The simple idea they had was to make single varietal ciders from the apples we already know and love. Golden Delicious, Granny Smith and the Pink Lady. In 2017, they decided to move their head office to the UK. In this episode, we catch up with Laura Clacey to see how this has worked out for them. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Drinks World. Welcome to the show and today my guest is Laura Clacey. I met Laura probably around 2014 when she launched her Scully Cider brand um, in South Africa. Um, welcome to the show, Laura.
1: Thank you very much, Holger. I'm delighted to be with you.
0: <laughs> and you had, I mean you moved from, where did you work before you came to to South Africa?
1: To Squally. Um, so I had quite a long, sordid um, history before starting with Squally and nothing to do with booze at all. Uh, I actually spent most of my, um, my youth in sustainability consulting. So I prior to starting with Squally, I worked at KPMG. And before that, I was the South African national weather presenter on SABC2 Morning Live.
0: I see that. and <laughs> I, It would be quite good if you could predict sunny weather for the UK and I'm sure it will, would be good for your cider cells.
1: Oh, my God, we're desperate for summer. The weather here is so miserable. <laughs> I am desperate to get out of here at
0: the moment. <laughs> yeah, so sustainability is a big topic, I, th- I think, for everybody. Um th- Especially, I think, in in first world countries like the UK, we we hear the topic starting in South Africa. So, I'm glad to see that you're on the forefront of, of kind of that drive.
1: Absolutely. So, I think, you know, starting up Squally and, and our reasons for starting the brand were, were quite different to a lot of people's reasons for, for starting an alcohol brand. So. Having been in sustainability, um, as I progressed through my career, I got more and more interested in social impact creation and, and how you create value for, for human beings, not just the environment. Um, and when we decided to start a business together, uh, Carol and myself, my partner uh, and husband, <laughs> we, we had a few key criteria for, for what our business had to be, and it wasn't necessarily even going to be an alcohol so I knew that I wanted to start an ethical business focused on trading with South Africa and creating long-term sustainable trade opportunities for South Africa to create things like employment opportunities, economic development, etc. Um, and you know we were looking at, at what we could do and we knew our business had to be totally unique and totally different and better than anything that had been on the market beforehand. So, We decided we both love a drink um because who doesn't and that's what kind of inspired scotty so we looked around and we're like oh my goodness south africa has some of the best apples in the world i mean the the apples we eat in the supermarket if you go down the supermarket shelves in the uk you'll see that the apples are not often from the uk they're imported from sunny places like south africa Mm -hmm. so we thought hmm why not try and make a cider using South African eating apples rather than cider apples? Because if you bite into a cider apple in the UK, you will notice that it is so tannic and so bitter, you couldn't even you'd never ever be able to swallow that
0: thing. Yeah.
1: So that was the, the birth of scotty.
0: <laughs> I mean that is quite different and, and just for the listeners, there's a there's a wonderful podcast interview with uh, with John Murray, he was the international, um, what, what is he? Production cider manager for, for Bulma Cider. Um, and he he lives in, he lives in South Africa now and he, I used to work with him and he, I mean, he goes, he talks at length about all the different, you know, the whole cider culture and all the different cider apples and everything. But it's, it's a very interesting conversation that I had with him. Now, I mean, it's, and we, we went over, I was fortunate enough to go and visit Bulma's. I mean, those apples, you can't eat them.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so how they make them taste good is they <laughs> add bucket loads of sugar to them and artificial flavorings and colorings and all kinds of other things to to get them to taste like something a modern-day consumer would actually want to swallow. <laughs> um, <laughs> So just because cider was born in the UK doesn't mean it's the best.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's what I think anyway. Maybe don't tell them that. <laughs>
0: no. So, I mean, with, with names like Golden Delicious and Granny Smith, I mean, are those typical South African uh, apples or do you also find those overseas?
1: Um, they are very much the pride and joy of South Africa. Okay. They are grown in so the golden delicious, I think South Africa, and don't quote me on this statement, but I think South Africa exports, is the largest exporter of golden delicious apples, which is our kind of hero yeah. product. Um, and then Granny Smith and Pink Lady or Crips Pink Apples are grown um, in, in many warm climate countries like Australia. Um, yeah, they, they, they're grown around the world. But um, South Africa is definitely one of the main producing regions of these delicious apples.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah. so and what, mean- what else is, <laughs> I mean, what else is different? So, using different apples?
1: Yes. So, we two, a few key differences um, okay. that, that we kind of see as our, as our unique points. Um, one is that we're using these eating apples, delicious apples, grown in the sunshine. That sunshine makes them sweet and ripe and juicy and taste great. So, that's kind of the, we believe that good cider is made in the orchards. Mm -hmm. um the other main point of difference is you know carol and i love a good glass of wine and we'd never really thought about cider before we made cider um and we're kind of thinking through the reasons why nobody really well why a wine drinker doesn't necessarily like cider Mm. and i think one of the reasons why is is because it's a whole blend of apples we thought to attract a modern consumer and a wine drinker or a gin and toner drinker or you know the average guy or girl she doesn't really consider cider, would be to make them single varietal ciders. So we use one type of apple in each bottle and nothing else. Okay. So we've got yeah, the granny smith is purely made from granny smith apples, golden delicious, purely from golden delicious, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the other point of difference is that we don't need to add any crap to squally. Like not one added drop of sugar, concentrate, water, it's literally just the apples made like a wine in stainless steel wine tanks. Um, and I'd say that's sort of the main point of difference between us and, and the UK cider. Uh, mm. They tend to use a blend of apples, as you would have heard from Bulmers, um and and their production processes are, are extremely different to ours.
0: Yeah. And, and yours is made in Elgin?
1: Yes, absolutely. So all the apples are from Elgin, and they're fermented... Within, I think it's three kilometers from the orchards themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's all a very, it's all a very close little process. Um, and we make it in, in a in a local winery just up the road at Almond Kirk. And then we export them in. Do you know? Do you remember bag and box wines back in the day? Or well, do you still get them?
0: You still get the them. Box popsuck. pop Yeah.
1: <laughs> so if you imagine a twenty-seven thousand liter pop sack. <laughs> uh, how we export them to, to the UK uh, and then we bottle them within 10 kilometres of the port. Um, so it's all a very kind of neat process uh, and then squally stored there in bottle and until it's shipped off to our various um, trade outlets.
0: Okay. Um, and I think a lot... If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of the wine is also exported like that.
1: Exactly. That's how, I mean we're not geniuses we just borrow from other sectors right. so yes that's how a lot of the south african wines are exported and um, they do it for a number of reasons uh one of which which the one that appeals to me most is the environmental impact because if you ship them over in bottle you're basically shipping glass is the bulk of the volume glass whereas shipping tanks yeah or or air is worse let's not go there <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, the equivalent mileage uh, or environmental carbon emissions uh, is the say of the entire shipping process of our stock is the equivalent of driving that same load 200 kilometers in a truck. Mm-hmm. So really, the, the environmental impact of shipping is, is so small compared to, to road freight. And I mean, yeah, air freight doesn't even go there. Uh, so that's one of the main reasons why we do it that way.
0: I saw your new bottles. Are those Have those been launched? On your Instagram.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, they have. So they're currently live in some of the big supermarkets and Nando's uh in, in the UK. So our bottle development has been um has been my, my sort of baby and, and passion project as we've gone. And if you on the back of my shelf behind me, I've got a long row of squally bottles from, from Inception to where we are today. Uh and you know, when we started, the, the whole design around the bottle was um, the repeat X pattern.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that, university studies, was archaeology. And I was really inspired by the movement of people, being a, um, a wanderlust traveler myself, always um, always looking to, to move and, and find new adventures. Um, I'm fascinated by how we track the movement of people over time. And one of the ways they do that in southern Africa is by looking at, um, at pottery shards left over um, found in, they're called middens, which is basically mm. uh, old age dustbins. And one of the patterns we often find is that repeat X pattern. And so we took that a step further and had our, our X, our hero symbol, floating at the top much bigger than the rest of the repeat Xs. And that to us has always been the, the squally, you know, the cheeky rascal, the one who rose ahead and, and hustled his way out. Uh, and that's always been our kind of mine and Carol's sort of symbol of of what we stand for and, and who we are. We're always hustling and pushing and, and trying to do things that no one's done before. Mm. Um, and, and as time has gone by, that that X symbol has grown in importance to to us as people. Uh, and and every rendition of our bottle, the X has grown bigger and bigger and bigger. And so a few months ago, we we're like, okay, it's time to take the plunge. And here are the X. And make the Squally the front and center of our of our entire um, product and, and branding and, and marketing messaging. So yes, our new bottles now have one enormous X on the front of them. They're very simple. It's or it is very simple um, and has great shelf stand out. I we've had quite a lot of people comment on uh, on the various social media platforms that they've discovered our bottle because of this new this new pattern. So or this new branding. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're really really excited that and so we've launched the golden and um, granny smith in uh, waitrose and sainsbury's have the new branding now and nando's have definitely got all the new the new branded bottles up proudly on display in the back of their shelves
0: which is very exciting to see i love that new look um it is so hard to find a a really really nice brand or that everybody understands it, or everybody in South Africa at least. Um, and the word Skoli and the way you've written it, obviously you can then trademark it, but it's uh, the way that you've taken that X and, and proudly displayed that, I think is is genius. How did you find that name? Well, Skoli. Mm.
1: So, again, when sort of setting up Skoli, as I said, I wanted it to be very... Proudly South African, not in a kind of schmaltzy, mm. you know, proud WhatsApp brand. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to go down the cheesy, proudly South African route. But I wanted to hero the the amazing culture and well, everything about South Africa that I just adore. Um, so I wanted the word of our brand to be very South African. And so we looked around at what we were doing. And, I mean, Holy, you know how hard it is to start an alcohol brand mm. or work in booth. In South Africa, the red tape is um, is a very long list. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I wanted a word that was appropriate to what we were actually doing, and especially at the beginning, I really felt like we were having to be squallies, <laughs> 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 having to pretend that our boots were bigger than what they than what they were um you know, getting access to capital and, and finance was was an endless uphill battle that we that we never quite actually got around in all the time that we were there. And so we were being squallies and, and hustling. And so I thought there's no better brand name for our cider than than a squally. Uh, so in the UK they, they really struggled to pronounce it, I'm not gonna lie. So no. they normally talk about the, the band with the big X on it. And, or people have a stab at it, but we've had to on the back of all our new bottles, um, put the pronunciation on the back that says something along the lines of struggling to pronounce it, don't worry, you're not first, it's golly like lolly or trolley or dolly okay. um, <laughs> and give people a bit of a hand um, but to be honest, it, it's a point of difference for us and, and the challenge to pronounce it is part of the kind of exciting marketing opportunity we have rather than a, than a challenge that's stopping people from drinking the product
0: did you have to employ an agency to find the name, or was it within you?
1: Um, it was within us. We did use an agency at the start uh, just to kind of help us pull it all together. Yeah. Um, but we kind of get a long list of, of names, and, and they kind of shortlisted it for us to about five, and then we all decided Squilly was the best. Yeah. So it was a very creative approach. Um, but with this new design that we've done, we used we used the designer, um, Alec Teo, who actually famously redesigned the big the coup no not coup, what's on heinz baked beenton um and and now Squally. Uh, and i think it's i think it's some of his best work so we're very proud of him um, but yeah, I, I i tend not to like using agencies we're very much a we're scullies we we like DIYing it and, and kind of figuring things out for ourselves um and I, I think it's 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 what's helped us along the way a lot i think a lot of brands especially in the UK, are very agency-driven. Um, and I think you lose your authenticity and, and story if you rely too much on consultancies and agencies and branding guys and marketing agencies, et cetera. They, they don't get what, you, what, you, what you're all about necessarily. Um, so, so we try as much as we can to do things ourselves and, and hire people internally. Um, again, so building a culture and a team is, is really important to us.
0: And a great team and a fun team that go for drinks on Fridays. <laughs> yeah, I also hate hate the agency guys or the the work that's produced by agencies because it's because it doesn't look authentic, and I think that was part of the the attraction to the whole craft uh, movement with with all the brewers and the distillers really coming up with authentic stories and brands.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you can't you can't replicate an authentic story. I mean, that's one of the big challenges that the big breweries have at the moment and, and why they're buying up so much of these small, um, or so many of these small brands is because of that authenticity of story. Yeah. The, the the kind of the, the backstory and the brand story is is what people are looking for these days. They want to know that a product is real and made by real people. It's not made in some factory on a, on a production line where no one knows what actually went into the product. Um, so it's an exciting time in the drink space in in the UK, and I see you've had some really exciting developments in South Africa as well with um, uh, the Duchess, and I see um, some of the other breweries are doing particularly well post-COVID, so I'm very happy to see that as well.
0: Yeah, I think it might take uh, t- take a bit of more time before they get back into the market. <laughs> Laura, now the big question for all South Africans is... The market is so small in South Africa for these niche products. Is it worth going overseas, or what? What drove you to move to the UK? Um,
1: oh, that's a very hard question, um, and I think for every every brand and, and every person and every every sector, I'd say it, it's slightly different. Um, for us, the the impetus to move was really caused by. Um, by the movement in the UK and, and the growth that we were seeing in Squally. So we had, um, you know, a guy, a true, true Squally and, and an amazing human being who took a punch on Squally and brought over one pallet to see what he could do with, with Squally. Um, and at the time we were very, very small and we we're so excited to have sold the pallet to the UK. Uh, he brought Squally here and took us or entered us into the International Cider Challenge, which is the the biggest kind of cider specific competition um, within the UK and lo and behold we got a gold medal on our very first attempt and one of the judges was the waitress buyer who was so impressed by the liquid that she listed Squally immediately (laughs) and suddenly our volume shift of what we were selling in South Africa flipped completely and the UK became our biggest market Um, and Shortly after that, with a bit of hustle and, and doing a few events and things around, we um, we got an offer from Sainsbury's. And to be honest, I, I thought it was spam when I got the message, because um, I couldn't believe that such a big retailer would want to list a tiny little brand like ours. Um, but lo and behold, it was true. And so, you know, those things really we made us think. I mean, at the time, we were having major distribution issues in, in South Africa. Um, and we're like, why are we... Why are we struggling to? Why why are we struggling to be squallies every single day that we wake up in the morning? When in the UK people are actually asking us for mm-hmm. the product, so we make a decision. Carol, my partner, is British born, and um, and so we figured, ugh, we'll move our entire head office and life over over to the UK. So for us, it's been the best decision ever. We're now in four of the five major retailers, um, and we're the exclusive cider in Nando's, which is the seventeenth largest multi-site group in the country. Um, So, I mean, it's definitely a decision I I do not regret for one second, except when it's pissing down with rain and I'm feeling very sorry for myself. (laughs) Um, But other than that, business-wise, it's been a very good decision. Um, But I see, you know, I think the challenges for for moving a brand overseas is is the size of the market. So, for example, um, beers, I I think they're 4,000 beer um, manufacturers in the uk again don't quote me on that number i'm sucking it on my thumb but there are thousands um for a craft brewery to to move the head of office over to the uk you would need to think about what makes you you special and different to the other brands that that are in the market and, and how does your story relate to to a uk market and um, the same with the gins i mean there are so many on the market but if you've got something unique and different that's not currently being um developed and exploited in in the uk then i mean Absolutely, the market here is huge. And things, to be honest, are much simpler, much easier, much more geared up to small business. Everyone here loves an entrepreneur. Um, there's there's no, I don't know, in South Africa, I always felt like my friends were judging me for running a small business. <laughs> Whereas here, people kind of thorough worship you for being a small entrepreneur and love talking about their mate who runs a cider company. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, my answer different strokes for different folks.
0: Mm. <laughs> um and how did you end up in in the super scully um retailer nando's
1: (laughs) super scully so (laughs) um nando's i mean i can't take credit for that that was entirely carol's job um but carol is i think he embodies my, my partner carol uh I don't know if I have I keep saying my partner, I don't know if I mentioned his name before. It is Carol. I will give him that credit there. He is a true, true squally down to literally every ounce of his being and bald head. Um, he decided that Nando's was the perfect partnership for us. And and, I mean, we, we've all always thought that their marketing is amazing. Their brand is proudly South African without being schmaltzy. We have so many brand similarities between ourselves and Nando's. Um, but he decided he was going to focus on Nando's. And every single Monday, he sent Nando's an email for two years before we got an answer. <laughs> they were so fed up. One day they said, OK, fine, send over samples. And they tried them, and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And so the conversation <laughs> developed from there. But then obviously we had COVID and then we had um, all these, distribu- oh, these um, HGV crisis. And then Nando's had no chicken and there were all kinds of holdups that delayed the process of launch, but we're in, it happened and it's going really well. We were really excited by by that partnership and, and they're, and, I mean, they truly are awesome to work with. They are so much fun. They love a good drink. Their teams are young, they're fun, they are um, innovative, they love a quirky, unusual idea. They, yeah, they, I mean, they are squallies. They're also squallies for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> i <I'd> love <laughs> I'd like every one of on their team if I could.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful story. Laura, the challenges in South Africa, what were, were the biggest challenges?
1: Oh, um, let me start with the good things about South Africa, mm. because I absolutely love SA and I, and I think South Africa has a world of opportunity there. Um, South Africa is, number one, a beautiful country and who wouldn't want to live in Cape Town on the beach and spend your Saturdays um, tanning on Camps Bay? I mean, really amazing. Uh, people in South Africa are incredible and the the lifestyle and produce we have in South Africa is amazing. However, there are some severe challenges to, to being a small business in South Africa. First and foremost, the systems are not set up for, for small businesses, and I think anybody who set up, whether it's a drinks brand or something else, will will attest to this. You know, getting everything from bank accounts to licenses to operate, to setting up the actual company. Nothing takes days, everything, everything takes weeks or months. Paperwork gets lost. Um, it, the amount of time you need to spend in the physical bank rather than running an actual business is, um, is a real pain in the ass. So I'd say that's sort of challenge number one in getting set up. You've got to have some real wits about you and some fussbite to to get this thing over the line. Um, and secondly, in in booze specifically, I think the, the challenges are distribution. So being in the UK, going from the top end of England to the bottom, I think is about an eight hour drive. So realistically, you could, if you were under massive stress, get your product from from london to i don't know scotland in in four or five hours you can get it there in a day south africa on the other hand if we've living in cape town with all our stocks in cape town and we get an amazing customer who's in Bloemfontein. there's no way to get it there and so distribution and and, and the actual size of the country and the, the the lack of entrepreneurs or the lack of kind of buying power scale um, makes distribution very, very tricky in, in South Africa. And I think that's the number one challenge that, that small alcohol providers have or producers have. You can be huge in Cape Town um, and just stock that market. But the minute you try and expand out of Cape Town, or if you're in Joburg, likewise, into into Cape Town, um, it, it just becomes quite tricky to, to manage the, the logistics and, and distribution. Um, so... I think that that for me would be the the number one challenge facing South African alcohol producers or, or anyone developing an actual product that's that's for sale. Um, that and then the last thing I'd say is the the lack of access to funds. So in the UK, for example, when we set up um, our UK company, we got a bank overdraft of I think it was twenty thousand pounds just because we were starting a business in south africa our entire credit card overdraft in the whole time that we were there was 400 rand Mm. so essentially couldn't even buy flights to Joburg to to a (laughs) festival without using our credit card as a top-up card Um, and the amount of times that i was about to pay for something and then realize that there wasn't enough money in the card and then i've got to jump on the internet and the internet connection is crap and then I've got to try and transfer money from one account to the other but I need an OTP and I can't get the OTP so I've got to run to the bottom of the driveway to get cell phone signal and then run back and by that time the flight has disappeared off the line. I mean, it, it's just, it's those sorts of things that, um, it's, yeah, access to finance is, is a real challenge. I think um, there are a lot of tax incentives in the UK for um, high net worth individuals to invest in small businesses. It's called the SEIS and, and EIS scheme, where investors are basically guaranteed a lot of their money back if the business fails, and massive upsides if the business succeeds. So that's really opened up the door for for entrepreneurs to to get that initial startup capital that they need to to get going. So I think yeah, access to finance, distribution, and what was the first thing I said? I can't remember. Um, and Uh, distances would be the the three main challenges in in south africa um yeah
0: and how how how's the online retailing helping you is that is that a big thing
1: um yes and no so online we we never planned to be an online um an online brand i always wanted to exist in in the real world um we we operating bottles and bottles are heavy and, and quite expensive to to send in the post so online was never really a strategy we were looking to deploy but then COVID came around <laughs> and uh, within two days we built a very very basic spit and sawdust website that could take um take sales online uh, and we had huge success during COVID on our online shop because everyone was too scared to leave their houses and wanted to support small businesses and i mean it was great um, but since then, the online space has, has dropped off a little bit for us because we're not investing heavily in, in digital. But, I mean, online is great. I mean, Amazon is is, is a brilliant, I mean, <laughs> for its troubles, it's also an amazing online platform and, and definitely helps grow the brand. Um, for us, digital is more about using influencers and, and building a tribe or a, a community of, of scullies that, that kind of support us and follow us. And we use it more to tell people where we're going and what we're doing and kind of show the brand story rather than using it as a, as a sales platform. How's online sales in South Africa?
0: Take a lot has, has listed a lot of the brands and I think it's working very well here.
1: Oh, excellent. Yeah. When I was there, there was no online sales.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then retailers like ShopRite Checkers has launched a 60-minute service. So within a certain area, they'll deliver within 60 minutes. And that's really worked wow. well. Yeah.
1: Amazing! Amazing! I mean, that is definitely a trend we're seeing here too. Yeah. So the the growth of the of the sixty minute delivery services, I think there are about eight or nine of them competing in the market at the moment, um, and and that's really growing um, small businesses and and yeah, I I think it's an area to watch. Um, time will tell who buys who out and and who wins at the end. It seems like an arms race at the moment, mm. um, but. It's definitely something something to watch and an exciting development in, in Booth since COVID.
0: Yeah. Laura, where can people read more about you?
1: We do have a website.
0: <laughs> we... um,
1: our website. <laughs> we do have a website. It's squally.com. So S-X-O-L-L-I-E dot com. Uh, we're also on um, Instagram as Squally Cider, so S-X-O-L-L-I-E, and then Cider with an X at the beginning. Um, so we've decided that in South Africa, we don't call it Cider. We call it Cider with an X because we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. <Joking. laughs> uh, so Squally at Scully Cider, and Facebook is at Squally. And so, yeah, definitely go check us out and find us around. Um, we are available physically to drink in South Africa again, which we're very excited about. Um, we're in, in quite a few spots in um, in the Western Cape. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can always send over or pop in the link Mike Moore's contact details if you want to find Squally in SA. I know he's very happy to help.
0: And Mike Moore is from from the Beverage People. Correct. Yes. Correct. Sorry. Okay. I just
1: know him as Mike. My hero, who brought squally back, Um, and excitingly in South Africa we launched in cans, so easier to consume, easier to dispose of, and taste amazing.
0: And I love the branding on the cans.
1: Oh, thanks! Yeah, I'm so excited by the cans. They turned out amazingly well, and so you'll be seeing a lot more of those cans around in the next few weeks and months.
0: Wonderful, Laura. Thanks for your time, and I want to let you get back to your all your events on Thursday, and uh, yeah, the whole of South Africa is rooting for you over there in the UK. Well done.
1: Oh, oh, Holger, thank you so, so much, and it was an absolute honor and pleasure to speak to you again after so many years. Um, So please, and if you want to put to people, if anyone wants to have a chat or catch up or find out more about our story or needs advice on anything to do with the UK, I am genuinely here for, for anybody who needs a chat. Wonderful even if it's just an emotional support to to give them a pat on the back and say, you're doing fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that, Laura. Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.